The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And Ric Flair returns to the show today to share stories about the late, great eight-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion and WWE Hall of Famer Harley Race. Harley passed away on August 1st at the age of 76 due to complications from lung cancer. But the memories and tales live on, as you're about to hear from Rick, who's always a great guest. He traveled and wrestled with Harley during Rick's early days in the business. Rick actually says without Harley, there'd be no Ric Flair. And uh, we'll hear what he learned from Harley, some of the things he witnessed while traveling with uh, with Harley Race. But before we get into the life and times of the legendary Harley Race, let me share a quick message for all active or retired military members. Were you diagnosed with tinnitus or hearing loss after using 3M's dual-ended earplugs? Now, these earplugs are yellow and black or yellow and olive. They're often called Christmas lights. And instead of protecting your hearing, they actually permitted damaging sounds to get through. If you're issued these earplugs while in service and then diagnosed with tinnitus or hearing loss, then please call 1-800-400-9748 because you might qualify for significant cash compensation. Again, if you served in the military, were issued 3M's dual-ended yellow and dark earplugs and were later diagnosed with hearing loss or tinnitus, then call one 800 400 9748 right now and see if you qualify for cash compensation. 3M knew of these defects but failed to warn anybody about them. A whistleblower lawsuit that 3M quietly settled made the case that 3M manipulated test results to make it appear as if the plugs met government standards, but they did not. So, once again, if you're in the military anytime from 2003 through 2015 and are now suffering from diagnosed hearing loss or tinnitus, then please call 1-800-400-9748 right now. Now, remember, this lawsuit is against 3M and not against the government or the military, so your benefits with the VA will not be affected. Here's the phone number one last time so you can get it, 1-800-400-9748. All right, let's get to the greatest of all time, the champ, Ric Flair. And on the Boost mobile phone right now, let me welcome Ric Flair to talk is Jericho. Woo! Hey, Big Daddy. Hey, champ. How are you doing? What the, what's the honky-tonk man think he's doing? Smart off. <laughs> <laughs> Guy never uh, couldn't crack an egg if he punched it, right? If he stepped on it. Just, he was never. No, I, I never heard that story. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, I, oh, God. I, that, wow, unbelievable. Well, how are you doing, Chris? Good, man. Yeah, I'm doing good. I really appreciate you doing this. I, I, I'm actually more excited to, to hear about the stories than anybody else listening. Uh, I think you got some great, I'm sure you have some great ones. Oh, God, I got so many. It's unreal. I was, we were all there. Uh, Steamboat, DBSC, Taker came. Myself, Wendy, who's had to hear these stories forever. And knew, Har- and knew Harley uh, back when he was managing Vader, you know, but, um, God, they just they just go on forever, and just being there at the funeral, there were guys that were coming up and asking me about stories that Harley told about us together if they were true. Every one of them was <laughs> just the shit he used to do, and you know I was I met him in '72 when I first started. So, well, this is when he, this is when he was with the AWA with uh, tagged up with um, Larry Henning. 
So I well, mean, you can imagine those two. Well, let's just jump right into it. So, so, so that's when you first met him, because I know that that you considered Harley to be a mentor of yours uh, in a lot of ways. Well, um, yeah, we're recording now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let, yeah, let's just. I don't want to. Uh, let me. I want to, and I'll say this on your podcast. Okay. I don't want to worry about qualifying things today, like saying I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just going to say what I think. Okay, sure. So, I mean, you know, you and all you listen to things, and then everybody always goes, I don't mean bad about this. <laughs> Does that mean <laughs> I'm not knocking this guy, but, 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 you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, whatever I say today is open game, okay? Gotcha. All right, and I'm ready to talk about it. <laughs> After being around Harley Race, you know, the uh, before I start telling stories, I got to tell you, I saw him three weeks ago. Yeah. And all I could think about, Chris, was about everybody, whoever it was, and it's been a few, that I've let get me down or probably me. Right. After being with him and being in that era and being, you know, what we call the traveling world champion, me being the last guy, you know, with the Briscoe race funk era where we were in Singapore one day and St. Louis the next. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And it really made me aware of that. And I just thought, God, I really, I, I let him down. You know what I mean? Here's the deal. So I'm a kid growing up in Minneapolis. Harley is there with the AWA. And um, I have uh, been sent away to private school. And I had come home for Christmas break and whatever it was. And the front page of the Charlotte paper, back then everybody read the paper. It's not like now. Mm hmm there was a front page article about this wrestler named Harley Race. He got stabbed at a bar or a restaurant called the Chestnut Tree <laughs> uh, in a fight. And uh, how he just went to the hospital with the knife still in him and they took it out when he got there, right? <laughs> and then about, oh, maybe three months later, he shot out all the windows of a barbecue place called uh, Cal's Barbecue. And I got arrested for shooting out the windows. <laughs> and I guess that was, uh, I mean, he'll tell you, I, I, I won't use the language, but that was his retaliation. He went after the guys that stabbed him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that, that made the papers and we're, that's when, that's how I met him. And then, you know, you automatically fall in love with, he, I'm 16. He must have been, uh, 72? Well, he's 70. He was uh, 22. Right. So I'm 60. Yeah, 22 is six years difference. And uh, just everything, I mean, and then I, of course, Harley went in and out of the AWA, but there were all these stories about him driving a speedboat up on the beach at Lake Minnetonka, which is the biggest lake in Minneapolis, a very luxurious area. Driving the speedboat up on the beach, eighty miles, <laughs> and, it went, and because he was trying to get Larry Henning to come out of the, Larry was out with Irene, and uh, trying to get him to come out and get on the boat with him, so he thought he'd make some spectacular entrance. <laughs> and as as you've heard, everything that Harley did, he had to be better at. <laughs> he had to have the fastest car. He had to drink the beer the fastest. He got the arm wrestling, finger lock, especially the finger lock stuff, you know. What's the finger uh, lock stuff? Oh, yeah. You, he loved to lock hands with you and do that thing. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. he didn't lose. Um, and then, you know, just everywhere I went with him, I just, uh, the story which got told the other day, the guy said to me, is it true that when you broke in with Harley, you made a trip from Nebraska to Denver, Colorado? And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, well, he said that he was with Ray Stevens and you and uh, that Ray Stevens told him to slow down. And he told Ray to, sh to, shut, to shut up, <laughs> which very few people did, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm driving like, Ray, shut up. I am got it. You know, that kind of deal. Right. But what they did back then is they, he would, they would pass around a bottle of Jack with the beer, right? And every time he passed me the bottle in the back, Harley turned the light on to make sure I was drinking. <laughs> so, so, 
<laughs> and he drove that goddamn in a snowstorm. He drove Greg Gagne said we'll race, right? So mm. Greg's in another car with Rashke and some other guys of notoriety back then. Well, we were at the hotel, checked in for an hour and a half before they got there. He drove to the snowstorm 100 miles an hour mm-hmm. and just smoked cigarettes and told stories and drank. Mm-hmm. He, he was just crazy. He, he was, uh, I'll, I'll use his voice to the best of my ability. So I was working in the territory, his, which he owned part of, Kansas City, which in Des Moines, Iowa was part of. Right. Well, Des Moines is about 180 miles. I think it's right at that from KC. So I called. I said, Harley, uh, he said, you want to ride with me tomorrow? We're wrestling each other. And I said, yeah, is, is that okay? And he said, I own the territory. It's fine. You know, so, <laughs> so he picked me up in his Porsche at 530 for a 7 o'clock show. And I said, I, you know, of course, my question again, are we going to get in trouble? In the trouble with who? I own the territory and you're wrestling me. <laughs> we were there in three hours. Wow. 180. He drove that Porsche, radar detector in front, which he was the first guy to ever have a radar detector, probably. Radar detector in the back. I mean, and just the way we went. He just, his nine millimeters sitting on the dashboard. It just. <laughs> that's just the way it was right well like you said it was a different time back then you know so well, you know, really if you think about it that's 1983 4 it, it, you know it seems like a long time ago but the 80s was a pretty happening area Harley just didn't he went nowhere without a gun hmm. I mean he put a gun in the back you know like um, you know we see um, <laughs> he always reminded me of uh the movie um, Lethal Weapon. Right. Uh, the uh, Who's the famous actor? Mel Gibson? Yeah, Mel that had that 9mm. Right. And Harley would always put it in the back of his pants, you know, underneath his sport coat. <laughs> Wherever he went. <laughs> <laughs> just just for protection or in case somebody tried to no, rip him he off? No, he just carried it. He, no, not for protection. He just, I don't think Harley ever thought about getting beat up, but that's the way it was. Harley's walked down, has walked a guy down with a gun in his face before. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I wasn't there. I didn't see it, but I I have no problem saying it or believing that he told the guy, shoot me or, you know, or you're, decide right now because when I get a hold of you, you're not going to have a decision to make. I've seen him do things that put his life in as much danger as that. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You uh, sent me a list of great stories, and uh, one of the stories is that he pulled a gun on Hogan in the dressing room. Well, no, here's the no, here, here's how it goes, okay? This, and I'll use Harley's words, okay? Okay. So we're at the Memorial Auditorium where the, the Kansas City, it's in Kansas City, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And there's Kansas City, Missouri, across the river. I'm, you've been there, I'm sure. Yeah. So they didn't have the Kemper Arena yet. They just had that big auditorium in Missouri, right? Mm -hmm. So the first night that WWE or WWF back then comes to town, I'm wrestling Brody and Harley's at our building. And he says to me, Ricky, go work something out with Brody. I don't want you going through tonight. Tell him that I said you're going to take a fall. And I went, Harley, I don't want to go tell Brody anything. Please. I'm wrestling him. I don't mind doing the hour. This 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 conversation was ongoing for years with, with me, with Harley um, always telling me that 
take a fall on Brody, which has never happened. And uh, I, I, we did on a two out of three one time, but because he wanted me to, because mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he liked me, we did business. But he right. was always, he always wanted to, you know, let Brody know that he was the boss. Um, they never had it out, but it was it was a different relationship. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, he's down. You were, you were in an old building before, right? With the stage each side. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I think we went through WCW yeah. or something. So, yeah. yeah, we were down there and he said, uh, Ricky, WWE and that, or WWF and that plastic champion Hogan <laughs> are running across town, which we all knew about, right? Mm-hmm. He said, uh, you work out things with Brody. I've got bigger fish to fry and he takes his nine millimeter out of his bag and puts in his back and walks out the door well he drove over there and guess who met him at the door randy's dad bobby and the first thing he said where's hogan and hogan was in the bathroom hogan will tell you the story he walked in there and hogan just said hey man i'm just here on behalf of the but he didn't have a gun (laughs) (laughs) And he, I, I swear, Chris, he did, I've never seen anybody that could intimidate you more than, uh, I mean, he, I hardly, you know, I, he, when I was a friend, I never felt that because he never talked to me like that. But when he looked at you and said something, uh, you were around him a little bit, you know yeah. what I mean? The, uh, just, <laughs> he just, you know, he used to just tie face Vader and say, shut up, fat man. You know, when he was managing him, you know what I mean? Right. And, and Leon's not here, so I'm not making fun of Leon, but Leon would tell you the same thing. Nobody, I mean, nobody jacked around with uh, with Harley. And at, at two other stories that are famous, and you know, Shawn Michaels tells them great in that, but the best one for me, where I really just saw a guy off guard was Hunter had just started and come to WCW, right? Right. So, and uh, he was a huge wrestling fan. We all know that about Hunter. He's like, like you and me, he grew up loving the business, right? Yeah. So, um, we walk in there at center stage. You've been there, and Harley's sitting there in his suit, you know, on the edge of the chair, kind of rocking back and forth on the bench, right? <laughs> and uh, I go, hey, Harley, this is a new guy, Paul Levesque. This is before he became... Hunter Hearst Helmsley, right? Mm-hmm. Before before Regal. And he goes, How you, how you doing? How you doing, kid? <laughs> and this, this, this is Hunter. Hello, Mr. Race. <laughs> I do this all the time with Hunter. And uh, have you heard this? No. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, Harley goes, to Take this the drag on his cigarette. He goes, Who trained you? Killer Kowalski. Drag on a cigarette. He's the shit. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say to that? Right. I was dying. Hunter Weisman said, okay. He didn't, but I mean, it's like, where do you go from there? Right. He's the shit. And then the other one is when Kurt, when uh, Larry sent Kurt down when he first started the business. Mm-hmm. The word KC was like was like going to Memphis. It was the same deal, right? You go there to learn, but that's about it. You don't make any money, right? And uh, <laughs> Kurt goes, "What do you want to do for a finish tonight, Mister Race?" What's your finish, kid? And he pulls on the cigarette, and Kurt goes, "Don't kick off the top rope." And I only take the drag. I'll move. hey how about this one so okay so he says to me I'm flying to Honolulu and I notice this dark haired chick I'll use chick instead of the word he uses getting a lot of attention so I said to the stew who is the brunette that everybody is talking to? And she goes, <laughs> she goes, well, it's Priscilla Presley, Mr. Race. 
Huh. We landed, and there was a big banner waiting at the gate. I think the stupid, uh, I'll use the word, bitch, thought there was a landing party for her. When they opened the door, there was a 50-foot banner that said, uh, Welcome, uh, seven-time world champion Harley Race. He said, I had a party. I'll be be polite. I had a party with that bitch until she fell asleep. (laughs) (laughs) This is for someone Presley. (laughs) I can't use the word he was using. He He had a funny... He had a very graphic word for women. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I kept her up all night long. Oh, man. <laughs> 50-foot banner. <laughs> it opened the door and it read, uh, Welcome, a seven-time world heavyweight champion, Harley Race. <laughs> Oh, oh. Swear to God, I, I wish I could. Say, I mean, I've got so many Billy Bobs in Fort Worth, right? Right. So you know, the one thing about Harley, he always—it's like you know, you, you never you—you've been around about you. He didn't get excited about nothing. No, nothing very quiet. Yeah. I mean, he just went at his own pace in the ring. He did his thing, you know, like. The first time I ever tied up with him, before I tell Billy Bob's, the first time I ever tied up with him, right? right. One, okay, grab a headlock, kid. One tackle, drop down, uh, leapfrog, hip lock, slam, uh, grab me in a headlock again, uh, come off low, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, because you get a leapfrog, we come off low, right? <laughs> That's the way it was. Yeah. <laughs> Don't move. And he climbed the rope for the flying headbutt and all that. So, Billy Bob's, you know, I want to go in there's a thousand women, right? Having fun, country western, girls in their jeans. You know, you've seen me, right? The whole deal. Right. And all he wants to do is go over to the pool table and grab a cue and knock everybody's quarter off the table. And then... Uh, <laughs> Take a drag out of a cigarette and say, I got the winner. <laughs> There's 20, 20 people look at him with their quarter on the ground, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, they got in a hell of a fight that one night. I wasn't there. With me, it never happened. But David Manning, they got into a major fight where the cops had to come and everything. Because, you know, like 20 guys against him and David Manning. But... He, he just, he lived it, you know, Elk Owen, uh, Don Owen's partner or brother out in the Portland Territory. Uh-huh. They'd have marks to challenge Harley when he come to the ring. So how, how do you mean? Like just the, the, like an well, old school? Don uh, Owen would say, well, there's a guy here that thinks he can beat you. And Harley would say, well, let's start the show a little early, <laughs> let, you know, and get rid of him. And then, uh, like, in other words, we're not going to waste drinking time after the show. Let's start the to show do it beforehand, or, right? Yeah, and of course the guy getting ring Harley beat the shit up. But one time I can't remember who it was. I was going to call David Crockett and ask him before I spoke with you. But if a guy was ever causing a problem in the territory that thought he was tough, the promoters flew Harley in to to kind of teach him a lesson. Yep, on TV, they bring him a TV and put him in the ring with Harley. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Didn't you take him to Japan with you one time? I think you told me the story. No, I didn't take him to WA him to protect me. <laughs> yeah, let's hear that story. <laughs> hey, here's the story. Bob Geigel calls me and he goes, Hey, Rick, I got some good news and bad news. 
And I go, what? He said, well, I got that Japan thing next week. He said, um, Bobo wants to switch the title, which I was looking forward to that because Briscoe and Harley, those guys, when Bobo switched the title, which they both did with them, mm-hmm. uh, they got 25 grand piece for doing it, right? Oh, right. So I was looking, you know, and Harley told me, he said, oh, Harley, want to switch the title while you're champion. And it's a 25 grand payday. Otherwise, back in our day, it was, we'd go over there for a week and we got 3000 for single matches a piece and 2500 for uh, a, a tag match, right? Mm, right. So if I went four days, I'd have three-hour broadways and then one tag match, but I'd come back with, you know, like 12 grand. That's a lot of money for a week. You mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm, sure. And how much fun. So Gago said, um, uh, so they want to switch the title and we don't want to do it. So uh, we're going to, and you're wrestling Feruda, you know, who used to just stretch me 50, 50 feet long. I mean, literally, he, he, if you thought that the Brock German John Cena at SummerSlam a couple years ago, right. if Feruda didn't give me 20 Germans, I, I he didn't give me one. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. I couldn't do anything about it. You know what I mean? I just went with it and hope I didn't get my neck broken, you know? Right. So, uh, hey, Tiger goes, so we're going to send Harley with you to make sure they don't, you know, how embarrassing that. So, Harley, Harley, <laughs> I met him in Chicago. We got in the place and never thought it would come to this. Who the, who they think they are? Baba says boo and I'll slap the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> and Saruta will probably be afraid to come to the ring. <laughs> <laughs> then, and, and then while I'm wrestling Saruta, he's there ringside. And you remember uh, <laughs> Lord El? What was the guy? The uh, Blears. Lord Blears was the referee. Yeah. And how did he go? There's cold beer waiting on us. Let's get this over with. <laughs> so. <laughs> It was it. Threw it in their shit to me that night. We just had a, we had a regular match. <laughs> well, he, he was terif- terrified. Another time, I was there and Holly was wrestling Saruta. And Holly was the champion, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess Saruta, I didn't ask him to suplex him one part of the match. And, uh, you know, you saw Harley work his style. He totally worked his style. He didn't change. You worked. The way Harley wanted you to, you didn't, you know, you didn't, you didn't push him around, right? Right. So you know, you being in the Budokan, how the dressing rooms are, right? Yep. So baby faces are about fifty feet down or fifty yards down. So he comes in and he goes, "I've had it with that rookie." Mm-hmm. He goes, he looks at, he lights up a cigarette and says, "Come here, Rick, here and watch this." So I go, oh, God, here we go. So I walked down there, and he walked in, and Baba's sitting there, as he did for years. You know, like five feet of his frame is above the from his sitting, right? Right. Smoking that Roy Tan cigar. <laughs> and uh, he walked in and said, where's Saruda? <laughs> <laughs> and Jumbo was down, like, you know, 20 feet down, just coming out of the shower with a towel around his back, and just sat down. He walked up. He said, did I call that last suplex? And threw it in his hand at the tomb. And Harley smacked the shit out of him. Oh, wow. I mean, open-handed, knocked him off the goddamn chair. And threw it with a big kid. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, and he goes, don't ever do anything in that ring without asking me first. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and like you said, Saruta is a big kid, aka six foot five, six foot four. Or, yeah, you know, well, he won a bro- he won a bronze medal. Yeah, Olympic. won a bronze medal, and also too, you're in Japan where there's a modicum of respect there, but Harley doesn't give a shit, right? Oh, unbelievable! I think he's the most respected uh, wrestler I've ever seen over there. I mean, they love Terry Funk. Mm-hmm. They loved and really Terry had a tremendous run. Terry, Terry, but they they loved Terry uh, the character and the fact he was a you know phenomenal worker. But with Harley, it was just his. 
the respect with the young boys and that was I mean Anoki, all those guys nobody said boo hmm how did you like working with Harley I loved it absolutely loved it it was so easy his pace I mean and and, and there was no change in his pace and uh every time every trip with him was an adventure we'd laugh and he'd drink and uh you know it, it just uh the thing too, you know, he, he was in that car wreck that killed his wife, his first wife when he was nineteen, where he almost lost his leg, and right. they put that, um, they put that nineteen inch, or I'm sorry, that twelve inch rod in his left forearm. Hmm. You know about that, right? Well, I didn't know he had the rod. I know he had the car crash, though. Yeah, yeah, it was from his wrist to his elbow, a, a metal plate. But it made his arm like uh, RoboCop, <laughs> and he would, you know, he'd smoke with a cigarette with his right hand, and he'd be talking to a guy with his left hand just sitting there. And most people obviously anticipating people being right-handed if there's going to be a fight. Mm. And I, I have seen him just completely, I mean, make a guy make his face contort, mm. hit him so hard. I mean, and I mean, out knocked him out cold because he was very strong. Strong, you saw that picture of him slamming uh, yeah, Andre. Yeah, here's it. Oh, do they think they are? And blind that Hogan was the first one to slam Andre. <laughs> so you know, when I was there one night when he slammed and suplexed Andre, vertical suplex. I actually think that Harley invented the vertical suplex. Or he got it from Japan because nobody was doing it until Harley. I never saw it ever in Minneapolis until I saw Harley. But um, in Greensboro, he slammed and uh, uh, suplexed Andre. And so even me, I said to him, I said to him, because I know them both real well, but I just assumed, I said, uh, did you ask Andre before he did that? Like, like I'm a mark, right? Right. And he goes, ask him what? I said, did, but before you did the slam and the suplex, I called it in the ring like I always do. Why would I ask him? Swear <laughs> 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 to God, I called it in the ring. <laughs> Why would I ask Andre if I could slam him? <laughs> but, but once again, too, Rick, you're talking about Andre the Giant. If he didn't want to go up, he probably wouldn't have gone up. But he's, it's Harley Race that he's in there with. He's probably scared of Harley Race, too. I can guarantee it. Let me, the thing about Harley Race is I think people, once the word got out, it, it, win, lose, or draw, you were going to lose a body part. <laughs> Whether it be an eye, your nose, the ear, bite off your finger, you, 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 there, there was no way to win. Hmm. I mean, you you might have got a friend. You might have uh, punched him a few times, but you know, you know about his head. His head was like a cement block. I mean, the guy, I you know, you've seen him. You've heard the stories about him headbutting guys, just killing him with that headbutt. Jesus, smashing their noses. I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen him do that in a bar. When uh, when my dad was uh, playing in Oklahoma City, and I think sixty five or sixty six uh, with the Oklahoma team, the hockey team. He, uh, yeah. he he got in a skirmish with Harley Race in a bar. Not an actual fight because it got broken up beforehand. And I was yeah. like, Dad, you have no idea. Like, you're tough as nails, but Harley Race is like one of the toughest men of all time. You're lucky that that fight got broken up. <laughs> well, here's the thing. But, see, I, I'm going to use you as an example, I'm, and I'm going to refer to you as Jericho, Okay. Okay. So, like, Chris, you're known as the guy that has guts. You're not afraid of anybody, okay? Right. But And I say to people, well, his dad played in the NHL. I mean, you know, when right. his dad played, his dad played when Probert and Gordie Howe and those guys were skating around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're tough now, but they're not out there surviving like guys like that had to. Right. Just- I mean, those guys... They fought to get paid. To stay on the team, too, exactly. If not, you'd go to the minor leagues. You'd never see the NHL again. Yeah, I just, with Bobby Hall, will tell you, Gordy Hall would stick his stick right in your mouth, in your eye. I mean, he wasn't like a a guy with a fist that much. But, um, 
Yeah, I'm sure your dad wasn't at all afraid of Harley, you know. But God only knows he, <laughs> if he if he got on him, he, he probably'd lose a finger. <laughs> he probably wasn't used to biting your eye out. <laughs> Did you see Harley get in some uh, barroom fights? No, I've just seen him knock people out. Uh, it was over in ten seconds. <laughs> I, I I I missed the big one that Manning was at. David Manning could tell you he was at the one that where all the cops came, but oh. Harley was probably there were about five of them out cold before the cops got Harley off him. Oh, at Billy Bob's, yeah, he was. Uh, that guys kept coming and Harley kept saying, <laughs> "You know what I mean?" They made the mistake of not jumping on him one and it's like, you know, they're sending the toughest one and the next one, the next one. <laughs> Manning said it was getting bad. Because you get against the wall, it'd be like Haku, you know what I mean? Right. And you've heard stories about Haku. I've against seen the wall. them. It's hard, hard to move them off, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like a caged animal. It was like brass knucks, I mean, with 260 pounds behind it. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Let's uh, talk about Starcade 83 with the flair for the gold. That might be one of your most famous matches you had with Harley and one of the, probably one of the 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 most famous angles that you've ever had uh yes. when you're the champ well for sure it was um it was dusty's creation but harley made it happen and as legend has it you know he had an opportunity he was presented with an opportunity to not show up do you know about that no yeah uh, you know without elaborating he, he was presented with an opportunity to not show up which would have killed the NWA, would have killed Crockett. I know you can't say, but I can't. I have heard this. Vince offered to pay him not to show up for for uh, for the for the match. He wanted him yeah. to come in to WWE and basically leave you guys hanging. Yeah, you've heard it, then. Yeah, I've heard it. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's yeah. on the it's online. It's yeah. on the internet and stuff. So it's not a secret. I know. Right. right. Well, that that that's the truth. Yeah, he, it was a snowstorm, and we were all sitting there, pins and needles. And he uh, he came in, and he'd been in New York the night before. Wow! And uh, this again is coming from him, but I certainly wouldn't call him a liar. And uh, I guess he just made up his mind, and the way he presented it to me, which is something I'll never forget, is uh, he got there at nine o'clock. But man, we had, you know Crockett had closed circuited it. Greensboro would been sold out for months. It was huge, and. Uh, it really got me the map. He said, uh, uh, I did never let you down, Ricky. You should have known that. I, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then. Right. right? So, but he walked in the door and he said, uh, I'm here, Crockett, but we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think there was, I, I think there was a reimbursement process. <laughs> <laughs> but, once again, that's how it was because you know we know the, the he wouldn't do it. You know, I, I can't, I cannot say that for everybody. Right, he, he would, he he wouldn't betray me, and he wouldn't let the NWA down. And man, can you imagine the history of our business if he didn't show up? Sure, that's right. No, it's that it's that big, Chris. I mean, Crockett would have been, NWA would have been over, the whole thing would have been dead, and uh, all Harley would have done was lose that twenty five thousand dollar deposit. What are you going to do, beat him up? I don't think so. Well, um, right. He, he would have been like a god in New York. I mean, they'd have taken whoever, uh, you know, I, whether it's Bob Backlund or Pedro Roar was the champion, then they would have made Harley the champion because, you know, they, they had, I think they had Bob there pretty much to guard it. Then Vince Sr., you know, trusted him, but they, I'm sure that Harley could have been trusted and nobody would have messed with Harley either, including Bob. So 
it, it's so crazy that's how it was because I know Sheik had the opportunity. I think Vern tried to get Sheik to like yeah. break Hogan's leg or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the way things used to be of just trying to steal the guys away well, from, here's the, from here's, these matches. Here's the thing, thing about Kaz, you know, I, I started with Kazro. Right. Kazro is a really tough amateur wrestler, but he doesn't have it in his heart to hurt somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a difference. Harley would take a baseball bat and break your leg over a, over a wooden chair. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if push came to shove, uh, but he was the gentlest guy in the world. But if you pushed him, I, I never had a chance to meet his mother and father. I actually met his sisters for the first time, but I can only imagine. I, you know, he was just raised. I mean, he was driving. Happy Farmer Humphrey around at the age of 13, <laughs> wrestling in carnals. But actually, he'd say to me, I have, I used to have to wipe the fat bastard ass, change his diaper. What? Oh, yeah, that's how he started, driving Happy Farmer Humphrey around. Wow. He was a 600-pound haystack Calhoun. Wow. So, yeah, he would say to me, so what I... Look at this belt. I know that I've worked hard and come from nowhere to earn it. Because that belt, the competition between him and Jack and Terry, the funks was big back then, boy. Oh, sure it was. Yeah, when Jack dropped it to, uh, Jack got said, I'm done with it. And uh, they called Eddie. Eddie brought Terry and They brought Terry in instead of Har uh, Harley. And it was like a swerve. A political swerve because the, the, the NWA was at one time, there were nine people on the board, but between Eddie and the Funks and Geigel and Fritz, and I mean, Barnett was part of it, but he, he, Barnett wasn't an assertive guy. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and they, they brought Terry in instead of Harley when Harley was supposed to get it. So I've just heard, you know, parts of that story. But there was all, there was always uh, a, a a rivalry with those guys. Well, I mean, there's also the famous story too, where Dory was going to drop it to Harley, and then he had the the truck accident at the farm and, and couldn't be there. That was always the yeah. One. That's another one too, right? Right. Was that was he supposed to drop it to Harley then? And who did who did he drop it to? I'm just uh, looking to see. I can. I'll just go online and check it out. But I, I, I do remember that story. Yeah. But that's what we're saying. Just how things were back then. Where you know, like you mentioned, it was supposed to try and sign this guy away, or, or there's, you know, reasons to not yeah. well, drop the strap. When I want, they were so mad when they put the title on me that they basically shut every territory down. Dusty left Florida. He would work with me. I I went out and worked with. Uh, guys you never heard of with J.J. Book and they gave me no one to work with anywhere except for Portland and my own territory when I went back there but that was once every eight weeks and why were so, they so mad because they didn't want Crockett to have any power and they didn't think that I was going to be a, a world champion but Pat O'Connor said I was too small I mean I heard it all I was the same size as Rogers but it basically boiled down to the fact that I wasn't as good as I thought I was when I found out real fast because I was wrestling guys like Wahoo and uh, um, Steamboat and you know any number of guys from Mid-Atlantic that were really good performers. You find out how good you are when you go wrestle a guy that can't work. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and basically a lot of territories had a ton of guys that were just average performers. And I, you know, I wasn't over enough, number one. Number two, uh, I wasn't skilled enough to, like, I mean, I could have really good matches with guys that could work, but, you know, an hour is the difference between going 15 and 20 minutes and then trying to go an hour with the guy and make sure you come back the next week and you're sold out again. You know what I mean? That's a lot of responsibility with that belt. I, I, it was, it, you know, and of course you get blamed. Everybody knows or they think, which isn't the case, that you're getting paid 10%. And they, yes, you want, yes, usually business is better, but, you know, it needs to be sold out. But there were only uh, 
two promoters that paid 10%, Paul Bosch and uh, Don Owen. Even Jimmy Crockett didn't pay me 10% of the game. Wow, really? So it, it changed a lot. And then, of course, what really changed the face of the NWA was the Von Erichs coming along because Fritz had groomed Kerry forever, and that deal was doomed uh, because of Kerry's uh, social habits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A wonderful kid that he was in that. When I dropped it to him, they had me, they had me take it back you know, in Japan that nobody even knew. They called me while I was there. I was actually there with Harley, and they said, uh, we need to flip it back. I think Kerry missed one of his first dates. Mm-hmm. From uh, I left right from that show that day, flew to Frisco, and then Harley and I went on a world tour of, uh, not a world tour, we went to Hong Kong, Singapore, and Tokyo, which is one of the greatest trips I've ever had in my life. Uh, 12 days with him. So you can only imagine. That's back when they had the first-class cabin, Upstairs on the 747s, and yeah, our could smoke and tell stories, and that was <laughs> fantastic. Hey, uh, um, I'm actually going to uh, speak at Destroyers at the memorial ceremony for Destroyer Dick Byer, right, in November in uh, Tokyo. Oh, wow, over for it. Well, that's another yeah. guy that was super re- highly respected, was, was Dick. Yeah, you know, he a lot of people don't realize that he almost became. The athletic director at Syracuse. Well, he also worked with Reed quite a bit too. But my son Reed, he took Reed to we Japan. Went together on that homestay, right? And that, yeah, there was that. It was the Japan All National, and Reed Reed uh, was supposed to wrestle at uh, I can't remember, but he gained fifteen pounds. I took him first class, and he gained. So he wrestled heavyweight. He's still three thousand kids. He got second. He got a silver medal. That's great. So, yeah, with Dick yeah, as the coach. We spent one of the greatest trips of our, you know, father son life. We spent ten days together in Tokyo, and uh, you know, I, I just, you know, took him to all the yakitori and Korean barbecue places, and that's great. Well, we went so, to Japan together. We had a good time. Yeah, I know. I, I should have gone out with you instead of being true to that wit. I'm in the hotel drinking at the bar. You're up in Rapungi raising hell. <laughs> But Jessica and I'm trying to be a good guy. What the hell? <laughs> Every time I straighten myself out, the shit doesn't work for me. <laughs> See, that's what's wrong. You just got to keep being you. You're, you're like you're like Keith Richards, man. If you, I know. Well, at least I got Wendy this time. I got I got a keeper. Thank you, God. You're damn right, you do. <laughs> hey, listen, she, she's here with me, and she's holding out for the for the big bucks with Netflix special. <laughs> Living with Ric Flair. <laughs> for the past seven years I just, checking him in rehab checking him out watching him get drunk again watching him almost die and then die again believe give me a title I can't get rid of the old bastard <laughs> discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. As we wind down, there's just a couple last things, but I'm just reading right here. It was actually, uh, Dory was supposed to drop it to Jack, got in the car crash, and then Harley stepped in and agreed to be the transitional champion so that Dory wouldn't have to lose to, 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 to Briscoe. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that was it. Yeah, That's there was it. always, there was always, you know, I'll tell you a funny one that I've never heard the outcome of, but you know, how the guys played cards in Japan, right? Right. And so the Briscoes were good friends with um, Luke Graham, the brother. Remember Luke? Mm-hmm. And I guess he was cheating at cards and Harley beat him up. And so the Briscoes waited for Harley at the hotel and jumped on him on the elevator and closed the doors. And to this day, I can't get Jerry Briscoe to give me the outcome. Of course, according to Harley, the Briscoes found out why I've got the belt. <laughs> 
<laughs> I gotta ask Jerry the next time. Oh yeah, they were they they, they those guys back then, man. It was no Jack. Uh, you know, Jack. I'm sure could take Dory down. Could take uh, Harley down, but to what avail? <laughs> I don't know what he'd get out of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and th- and that's the thing, because like you were saying, everybody back then was a legit shooter until you came along, and you were more of just a pure yeah. worker and right. entertainer. I was a legit entertainer. <laughs> you know, let's just get right down to it. Yeah. Then wrestled in high school and won the intramurals at Minnesota. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny though. I'm just reading about Flair for the gold. That's when Fifi the maid was involved. I know. There you go. Are you kidding? I had no I, idea. Dusty created the character, and and Rick owned it. <laughs> hey, will, will you go on record as saying that I created the man? <laughs> well, of course you created the man to beat the man. You got to be the man. You got to beat the man. And it's trademark. I needed to hear that. Yes, it's trademarked, so no one should be using it, male or female. Thank you so much. <laughs> we'll find out shortly. I'll keep you posted on that. <laughs> when you were doing matches with Harley, would he call the finishes in the ring as well, or would you know? Because I remember no, one- we know. But usually, believe it or not, with, with the exception of a few times, it was always an hour. Hmm. Yeah, because even when I worked for Crockett, they didn't want to beat me, you know? So if I'm working for Crockett, they the hour you know, you know once you get used to it with a guy like Harley, you know it's kind of like um, we're laughing about what honky tonk that story about which I never heard. Well, tell the story. You have... Well, it, I I just sent it to you about the dynamite kid. Yeah, something along the lines where Harley Harley had just had stomach surgery, and then yeah, he... and apparently Honky said I guess he lost his guts and I. I didn't know this story. I read it, and then uh, Dynamite Kid slapped the shit out of him. <laughs> and uh, well, you're reading it right there. It said, you know, he was on the floor crying. So, um, but you know, I, I mean, there are, there are just some guys you don't even make jokes about mm-hmm. because it would be, be in bad taste. You know what I mean? Sure. And uh, I mean, do you know that um, in 1987? I the reason I remember this so vividly, I just moved into a new home and it was working out I had built a gym adjacent to the house, a separate building and I was working out and I got the phone call, it was 87 that Harley had driven his Porsche into a concrete beam divider uh, during in the daytime um, 90 miles an hour, you know, basically mm. trying to kill himself Oh yeah, with, he, well what happened, he was in a boat wreck and I, I don't want to be misquoted here or say the wrong thing. You might want to look this up, but he was driving this boat, you know, 100 miles an hour, not really, but fast across the lake at night. And there was a, a big cabin cruiser that was anchored without an anchor light. Having owned boats, it's, it's a, a state law that you have to have a, a running light at night or you have to have anchor lights mm-hmm. to show where you are, right? Well, they didn't have a light on Harley hit it. And I think someone was either really severely injured or was killed. Hmm. And so Harley thought he was going to jail. Uh, but he anyway, he hit that beam going 90 miles an hour in a line 11, which is a rear, a rear engine Porsche mm-hmm. and, and lived. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he just, he was just, you know, he, even at the end, Chris, he was just so tough. He just wouldn't give. When I saw him, I just said, you know, it, you could barely talk, and I just said, "Are you hurt?" And he, he squeezed my hand, and I said, "Where?" And he went everywhere. Mm. So he's in a better place. Last couple of things: What did you think when he went to when he finally did go work for Vince in '87 or '88 or whatever it was? Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up, and this is interesting. And you'll like this as a historian, uh, a guy that follows our business. After you've been the NWA champion, where do you go? Mm-hmm. What do you do, right? Right. Then all around the world, you put everybody over, right? And so uh, where I was lucky, because I was part of the Crockett deal, and the evolution of the business was changing, I always had a home and I had a place to go, right? Mm -hmm. For guys like Jack, I mean, Jack just quit and went home for two years. Then he finally went up because Jerry and him went up to be the Briscoe brothers. They came to Carolina. But his days of being a world champion were over. He just 
having fun, right? Mm -hmm. And they both did well on that sale of uh, the Georgia Championship Wrestling thing when they sold out to Vince. But really, in the old days, where did the guy go? So when Harley went up there, I was happy for him. And I think that, you know, Vince saw something in Harley. You know, not only the fact he was so respected by the guys, but and it gave Harley a nice run as did the thing at WCW. But it's a funny thing that the traveling world champion, where do you go after? Right. After you around the world. And basically you've either put everybody over or you, or you haven't beaten anybody. Does that make sense? Sure. It does. Yeah. It's the most prestigious title in the world. And people look back at it and say that, but the traveling world champion just did. Uh, I figured out with Wendy yesterday that, Let's say I was traveling for 38 years mm -hmm. on a regular business, so I'm close to 12 million miles. Oh my gosh! Air. And it makes yeah. Once again, because you guys are traveling 330 days a year or whatever it was too. Well, keep in mind keep in mind that I have cashed in the mileage, but I've I've got 4.3 million on Delta alone. Jeez. Yeah. And I used to fly <laughs> primarily northwest to Japan, which I've been to 65 times. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, then Eastern, the U.S. there, American. <laughs> That's a lot of flying. That's a lot of drinking, Chris. <laughs> We've been there and back. And just to clarify, I looked it up. When Harley had the boat accident, uh, he had a broken nose. He almost bit his tongue in half, and uh, he still rescued two people out of the river uh, by hanging on to a large piece of debris. So nobody yeah. died, but people got hurt, and then he had to pay two hundred and fifty grand in uh, in uh, restitution to the victims. Yeah, but he saved some lives, right? He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's yeah. unreal. The guy yeah. was unreal, but he he thought he was going to do jail time. Uh, wow! Did, I'm sure you pulled the car wreck, and while he was in the hospital, his wife served divorce papers to him. Yeah, I yeah. mean that, that is a tough old school. <laughs> yep, brother right hey, there there's a guy that you want to be in a foxhole with yeah you just felt when you're with harley race you felt invin invincible and like you said I, you you're the last kind of, of of those traveling world champions and it's it's yeah. such a not not a lost art but i don't think people quite understand just how much you guys went through to do that no i don't think you ever will you know i'm, I'm i am extremely lucky to have ended up you know not to mention, uh, which you know, it's it's kind of like I'll I'll be at odds with my oldest son forever because they resent the fact that I wasn't home. Mm -hmm. And he, and I think he takes it personally, which is you know that's I can't resolve that issue for him. And, but if if I don't think he's ever taken time to look at what we did, you know, and, um, right? Which is unless you've lived it. Or, or been such a part of it like you are or grew up with a dad that was your dad had to travel like hell yeah sure. the, the difference was in hockey you know there's an off season and, and of course as we know yeah. the, in wrestling there isn't right yeah well that's what i was trying to say i made a joke the other day they not a joke but they had austin on first take right mm -hmm. and they're talking about the most electrifying stars in our business right are in, in in sports entertainment and they were talking Tiger Woods and LeBron and Michael Jordan and, and so I tweeted out to him, I said, guys, you just had the most electrifying guy in sports, you know, which Right. And, and, and like we were in Tampa, you were gone, I was gonna see you while we were there. To this day, when I say that, because Tiger Woods isn't doing it three hundred and thirty times a year. Mm-hmm. He, and and either is Michael or either is LeBron or anybody else. And the other night, like Wendy had never seen Steve come out live to the music. Right mm -hmm. first comes me, you know, I got my reaction to movies. Right here comes Hulk, his hometown, he got a huge pop. But when they play Austin's music and he walks down to the ring, there's never been anything like it except maybe The Rock. Would you agree? Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and, and you got and those guys like you. I mean, like we all did. That's 340 days a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if Tiger did that, they wouldn't give a shit. That's right. Exactly. 340 days a year. Does that make sense? And it's 340 days of having to, you know, to be under par every night. You know, that's another thing. You got to be good and have good matches and have good there performances as well. 
very interesting point, and you've got to perform. Yep. And it's twenty thousand one night, ten thousand the next night, or you guys were doing it in front of sixty and seventy thousand people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'll never forget my first day when I first came at two thousand one. I was watching, and it was you. You you tell me who the components were. It was you, Angle, Rock, and Austin. And you guys were in a tag match. And I remember I told you afterwards, I said, holy shit. Yeah. What a match. Do you remember me telling I, you that? I do remember me and Kurt versus Steven Rock. I mean, just look you at those names. I went, yeah. yeah. I mean, the pace and the match. I mean, and I kept, I thought to myself, and I'm wondering why in the hell WCW went out of business. Yeah, exactly. Because right. I didn't get a chance to watch it all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I, to this day, I can remember walking up to you and an Angle, probably all four of you. But, you know, I talked to you probably more than I did anybody. It was a bunch of anybody up there. Right. Because you always drank. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy, I can always cut. It's not just me. Jericho <laughs> was in the bar every night, too. Okay. They, they, called, they called me the new flair for a while. <laughs> yeah, you were. I, I heard on the cruise that you were the flair for, uh, how long was your cruise last time? Uh, Ford. They, told me, they told me you were full-fledged flair alcoholic status. And I, and I did 17 shows, too. Yeah, you and your wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why we're still married. <laughs> they said, yeah, since she wasn't far behind you. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm breaking myself in right now. I'm actually having little minimal shots of vodka. In, in cranberry and soda preparing for the Jericho cruise. <laughs> what, what's the theme of the show? Uh, it, uh, what's the theme of it? Yeah, of your, of your, of your cruise. There's a lot of, it's just, it's the rock and wrestling razor. So uh, there'll be, but themes. it's the Chris Jericho. It's rocket. the Chris Jericho cruise. That's right. Chris Jericho's rock go. and wrestling ranger. That's it. Exactly. Okay. Well, listen, try to keep somebody from wearing Y2J on the show, okay? I'll try. Last last question for you, Rick. <laughs> of all the matches you had with Harley, does one of them stand out as your favorite? <laughs> um, well, ironically, it would not be the one in Greensboro mm-hmm. because I don't think that was a very good match. Gotcha. I mean, the, it, the, the, it, was, it was thunderous and all that, but it was we had Kaniski for a referee, I think, and it was just yeah. It was awkward when you got a special referee that's trying to be in the middle of everything. Right, it, it's very difficult. Yeah. So, um, and I think I was so nervous, you know, in a way because Harley got there late, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'd, I'd have to say that uh, a number of matches I had were more better than that. But the moment makes it great. Does that make sense? Sure, it does. Yeah. Uh, but you've been in ruined with a special referee. I mean, they had me referee a match one time and with Austin and somebody and Vince called me and I said, you're the worst referee I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, that's the first match I've ever refereed. And <laughs> hopefully it's the last, you know, it's kind of like I wrestled the warrior one time and in, in the, in your hometown, Winnipeg. Right. Yeah. And I came back to the curtain and Pat was there. Right. And he goes, that is the worst match I've ever seen in my life for the championship. And I said, Pat, you don't have to tell me I was in it, you stupid son <laughs> of a bitch. Good Lord. And I, every match I have with him is the shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, Pat looks at me like with something I don't know about, right? I was in it. Right. I got a quick little uh, trivia. Uh, I was in the very last match that Gene Kaniski ever had. Six-man tag, me and Lance Storm and Gene Kaniski against three heels in Winnipeg. Oh, you're kidding me. Yep. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I'll give you some more trivia. I had When I first won the title, I had to wrestle Kaniski for an hour in St. Louis. Wow. He gave me the giant swing in that old ring and threw me, you know, across. You've ever seen it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've heard about it for sure. And he ran across the ring. First of all, he's got me. I've never been in a giant swing. He's got me waist high, throws me across the ring, and runs at me and screaming, leg scissors, you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> now, I'm the champion, right? I, 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 I commanded so much respect. <laughs> leg scissors, you dumb son of a bitch. 
Oh, man. And here's another bit. My dad delivered Kelly Kaniski. Oh, really? In Minneapolis. Gene was there, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, man. Well, Rick, it's always a blast talking with you, man. And like I said, I wanted to talk a little bit about Harley and just a legendary figure. And uh, you're right there behind him, my friend. Well, thank you. Um, I I wish I could tell you that I uh, carried the torch the way he did, but he... He certainly gave me the opportunity, and I uh, so much respect. It was just great, and uh, he's in a better place, Chris. And uh, you know, I'm happy for you and your success and your new career. And um, hey, you're you're gonna be right there. You got. I'm 20 years older than you. You got a lot left in you. <laughs> and hey, make the most of it and enjoy every minute of it with your family. Thank you very much, Champ. I'll talk to you soon, and uh, we'll have some shots on the cruise for sure. Okay, man, for sure. I'll see you before then. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Rick. Woo! Woo. See you later, Wendy. Bye. Bye. All right, you never know where Ric Flair might pop up next, uh, but you'll definitely see him if you're coming on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Cepard 2. We all set sail on January 20th. There's less than 20 cabins left available at chrisjerichocruise.com. Uh, and we are loaded down with talent. Ric Flair is the guest of honor. There's going to be some great stuff. We're, we're, uh, we're going to do a Ric Flair cosplay contest, judged by Ric Flair. Uh, we're going to do a talk as Jericho with Ric Flair. A lot, of, a lot more stories that Rick's going to tell you. Uh, Gabriel Iglesias has been added. Fluffy's going to be there. He just played in front of 20,000 people at a fair in New York somewhere, and he's going to be on the Jericho Cruise as the host. AEW is going to be there as well. So much stuff going on with us as we start our weekly TVs October 2nd in Washington, D.C. That's uh, live on the TNT Network every Wednesday night, 8 to 10. We're doing Boston, Philly. Uh, we're getting ready to announce the the, the tickets, uh, uh, on-sale tickets today, actually, for Charleston, West Virginia, and Pittsburgh. Stay tuned for all the exciting AEW uh, uh, action all the AEW news, and of course, all the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Seek News for you. What more can I tell you? I mean, SCU just announced Chris Daniels, Frank Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, the Hall of Famers. AEW is going to be there. Beyond the Darkness telling ghost stories. Uh, Fozzie's playing. We got our new song comes out today as well on The Rock of Jericho on Sirius XM Octane at 6 p.m. If you have that, go check out the new song. It's called Nowhere to Run. We'll actually play it here uh, next week on Talk is Jericho. Uh, and come see us uh, tomorrow night with Nickelback in Atlantic City. So lots of great stuff going on. Uh, Kickaxe, Jared James Nichols, Dave Spivak Project. Lots of bands coming. I've been telling you about it so many times. Just go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com and book your tickets now. Don't get left behind. And you're getting close to it. Like I said, less than 20 cabins left. So we'll be sold up probably in the next couple of weeks. ChrisJerichoCruise.com and FozzyRock.com for all information about the Unleashed in the West tour that starts September 5th in Denver. Goes all the way to uh, uh, September 28th in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, including the huge gig in Los Angeles at the uh, Bank of California Stadium with Iron Maiden. Go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket information and VIP information. We have a great time at VIP. We... Uh, we meet you guys, we hang out, we sign some stuff, we tell, tell some stories, ask some questions, and the coup de gras we play, a five-song mini set just for you, a private Fozzie concert just for you. Go to FozzieRock.com for all information. All right, coming up on Friday, the amazing Kreskin is going to read your mind. Yes, the famous uh, Kreskin, who was one of Johnny Carson's favorite guests. He did the Carson show almost 100 times. Uh, over the years so he's got some great stories old school Hollywood new school Hollywood uh, and he brings my mind it's actually pretty funny very crazy so amazing Kreskin will be here on Friday and I hope you have an amazing week stay hard stay hungry peace love and hugs and a big dear boy woo woo woo